Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. You can find the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Western Canada, my guest is the founder, lead vocalist, guitar player, and songwriter of the Irish Rovers, who 50 years ago had a breakout hit with their second album, The Unicorn, and returned to the charts 15 more times with other songs. They recently were named one of Ireland's greatest exports, being so honored at the Irish Emigration Museum. Their latest release, The Unicorn, The Continuing Story, pays appropriate tribute on its golden anniversary with new recordings plus the sequel to the The Unicorn song. They will be touring in February and March in support of the album. The Irish Rovers first became known in the 1960s on shows like The Tonight Show, The Smothers Brothers, and The Mike Douglas Show. Since then, wow, they have traveled the world as far as the Arctic Circle, Japan, and Germany, and regular tours to Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and here in the U.S. And two years ago, their 50 years triple CD broke tour sales records. You have been hearing the continuing story of the unicorn. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, George Miller. How are you doing there, Bruce? Nice to hear you. Likewise, George, how are things out in Western Canada? Uh, things are not too bad. Not as nice as where you are right now in Tampa, <laughs> but it is. Uh, we don't have any snow yet. And if you get snow here in Victoria, it's a bit like Belfast. It only lasts about four or five days and then it's away again. So it's a wee bit cold, but the sun is shining and that's all right with me. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, George, let's have you start off by telling the listeners about the song that we were just playing, The Continuing Story of the Unicorn, including why 50 years to, to finally give the answer of what happened to the unicorns. Did you ever think to do it at, at, say, 25 years instead or 30 or 40? We weren't sure after the first two years after the unicorn we were going to survive as a band. So, no, <laughs> wow. we never, ever thought of doing anything like that at all. And it happened we were sitting relaxing under a tree in Maui drinking some funny drinks. And it was my wife, <laughs> Anne, and our uh, publicity girl, Jennifer, said, you know, this is 50 years now. Next year is going to be 50 years for the unicorn song and i was absolutely amazed that it was that long and they said out of being joking and having a few drinks they said why don't you guys re-record the whole unicorn album like you did all those years ago and um you know you really can't argue with women when they're having a drink or two. So, um, we sort of said as a funny way all right certainly um but the more i thought about it i thought well what a great idea how many bands in the world can record one of their CDs, for, or I should say albums, of all those years ago. And people had been saying in concert, so did those wee unicorns, I mean, what happened to them? Did they actually mm. drown? And I said, no, of course they didn't drown. So we come up with this song to show the people what really happened to these wee unicorns. And to be able to tell you kiddies and older people out there who used to watch us when you were eight years old, they're still around. And if you listen to this song, you'll find out why and how they're still around. And it wouldn't hurt to have a little half bottle of uh, Bushmills Irish whiskey when you're listening to it. 
Nicely said. Nicely said. And since I was talking so much over it, listeners, I do encourage you to go out and find that single so that you can hear exactly what George is referring to. And by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't also send you listeners back to episode 197 of this show just about a month or so ago, Marty Dredd. He's a singer-songwriter in Hawaii, uh, only since George mentioned that that's where he was when they talked about redoing this song. So go back and listen to the fun chat that I had with Marty. He talks about time that he has spent with Willie Nelson. Anyhow, George, uh, congratulations on yet another new album. When listeners go to the Irish Rovers website and click into the music section, they will see 17 albums there. So I, I guess the fire just always burns to keep making music, yes? Or, or maybe am I wrong? <laughs> maybe after this long, it actually feels like work when you decide to just keep recording and touring more. Well, if it if it feels like work, Bruce, and it would be the same as what you're doing, if it feels like it's a grind, you shouldn't be doing it. I don't mm. care what you do. You can be a doctor or a bus driver or work, working on a golf course. If you're finding it a drag, as they say in this modern lingo, then you shouldn't be doing it. And entertainment is, is exactly the same. And you know what? In our case, and probably in your case too, our fans know immediately. If you're not putting it all into it, if you're just going through the motions – flogging the dead horse, as they say, or in our case, flogging the little unicorn, they'll know and they will stop coming. So we started a farewell tour about uh, two or three years ago. Actually, we started in Florida and this farewell tour is still going on. My God, I think we're going to become the next share. She's on her fourth farewell tour. This is still our first long tour of goodbye. So it's we've played that many places all over the world that you can't just say goodbye in one tour. So like I say, it's a very long, slow goodbye. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in that. Why can't you say goodbye in one long, slow tour? Is it because there's so many cities that you need to, to cover? Or, or is there something more yes. to it than just that? Well, there's a bit more to it than just that. It's the fact that unless you're a big rock and roll group like the Rolling Stones or, or uh, U2, you can stay out on the road for basically about two years at a time. And that means you fly your family in and out of where you, you play for a month, then you take a vacation for two weeks, bring your family, mm. then you do another. Well, we don't operate that way. We live all over the world. Four of the boys live in Ireland. I live out here in Western Canada with one of the other boys. One of the uh, my cousin Ian lives in um, Fort Lauderdale, not too far from you. Mm -hmm. So, like I say, we're all over the world, and we all have families. In my case, I've got grandchildren now, and four to five weeks on the road of doing shows five nights a week. At, at our extreme age, you don't want to do much more than that. So that's why we do about two tours a year. We take about six months off between them. And that way we recharge the batteries. We learn new songs or write new songs. And everybody uh, is excited to get back on the road after six months. Um, if you stay on the road more than two or three months at a time, the bickering sets in and uh. you actually end up hating each other. And usually the bands break up. And that's wow. what happens the young bands because they have to you need to get all of that work under your belt when you're young but if you don't like each other and if you can't get long or if you have that wonderful saying musical differences after one hit <laughs> then you're not going to last you have to like each other you have to respect your music and respect each other too and thank you george for acknowledging the young performers that are out there because for your benefit i will explain that this show is largely geared towards the up-and-comers who are trying to learn from my guests 
each week. Good. So I'm glad to hear that that you're recognizing some of the challenges that they face. But I, I do want to ask you, you know, the mm-hmm. Rolling Stones, to me, they're different from you two. You two, yeah. I don't want to say they're they're young boys, but but they're a lot younger than than Mick and the fellas. So yes. so how do the Rolling Stones continue to have farewell tour after farewell tour when when they're pretty advanced in age? It's the um, it's their music. First of all, they have never they maybe they were challenged earlier to be like the Beatles or write all of these great songs. They do write great songs, but they're fun songs. It's why uh, one of my personal favorite songwriters in the world who does great touring is Jimmy Buffett. Mm-hmm. Because they're fun songs. Everybody can enjoy them. You can be eight years old or you can be 80 years old and enjoy the Rolling Stones or enjoy Jimmy Buffett. And in a smaller sort of down the scale a bit, people enjoy us that way as well. We have lots of kids that come out to the shows and we have university students. And, we, of course, we have our older fans who are actually about 10 years older than us. And how they're still alive, I don't know. But I'm glad they are. <laughs> And by the way, I have to say, uh, David Fader is someone who appeared on this show way back on episode 107. He probably will not even hear this episode, but I just Mm -hmm. want to acknowledge him because uh, not only did he talk on my interview with him on episode 107 about playing with Jimmy Buffett, but David was kind enough to stop a seminar that he was giving a couple months ago when I was down in the Florida Keys. And he said, Bruce, Mm -hmm. if you're in this area, you stop just to meet in person, and I will say hello to you, and we'll take a picture. Uh, so because you brought up Jimmy Buffett, I wanted to mention David Fader and, and episode 107. And, and listeners, hopefully George and I will get the chance to meet in person, because as you'll hear shortly when I give out some of their tour dates, they are going to be coming here to Central Florida. Good. Uh, just on this show alone, we are certainly seeing the resurgence of vinyl we probably started talking about it back on episode 163 with members of Death Angel, if you want to hear what they mm-hmm. had to say about it. And then we really got into it on episode 181 with Jerry Jean, uh, who's out of New York City. He actually, uh, we, we published a, a guest blog from him about the process he went through putting out his release this year on vinyl. And George, for the Irish Rovers, a special edition vinyl LP as well, Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, With this new uh, Unicorn Continuing Story CD, we have put out um, a fair number of of albums, and I've been listening to them this last, just this past 10 days. They send me 10 at a time, so I need to pluck through them and and make sure they're okay. And I have always been a collector of albums. I love the sound. I don't mind the odd little hiss or scratch. Hmm. And Here's a nice, interesting little aside. So we're sitting at the Four Seasons in Vancouver. My wife and I were spending the night. We had just come back from Ireland, and we always spend the night in Vancouver before we take the ferry over the next day to where I live. So I run into Brian Johnson uh, from ACDC. He's sitting there by himself having a glass of wine, and we looked at each other, and we had met probably about 130 years ago in Australia. And he looked at me and I looked at him and we sort of nodded and he finally came over with his glass of wine. He says, I know you. Why do I know you? And I said, and I know you. So we introduced each other and we said, oh, for God's sake, we met all those years ago. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, to cut the story a little bit shorter than I usually tell these stories, I was saying, so what are you doing here in Vancouver? And he says, well, because we record here, it's one Mm. of the last studios around that uses acetone tape. They still use tape, the big real real tape and he said acdc we will not record um in uh, 
what do you call it? We digital? will not record other in. Sorry, yes, in, we won't record in digital. We like the sound of records, and that's why we still record on reel-to-reel tapes. Wow. That's why we all meet here. Wow. And I thought, how nice is that? Here's this big um, world-known rock and roll band. And by the way, he's the nicest gentleman, soft-spoken man you'll ever meet in your life. I mean, you expect these guys to be rough and ready. And um, well, <laughs> most entertainers that I've ever met in my life, including the couple you've talked about. And they're so gracious to you. They're all like that. We, when we had a TV show here in in Vancouver for twelve years, we had all of them from Johnny Cash to mm. Willie Nelson. We had all these huge stars. We had Bobby Darren just before he passed away. He was the wow. last show, and we never. And I and I'm saying this sincerely, never ever had a problem with any of our guest stars. They did whatever we asked them to do. Always, Fantastic. they would join in a little Irish song. Um, they would let us sing some of their hits. It was amazing. So Fantastic. you get away from the managers of the world and the publicists, and you talk to the person. Well, they're real people, and that's what they do. As the old saying is, they put their trousers on the same way we all do. <laughs> well, and it's encouraging to hear those stories too, because I think George. Too many people do feel, oh, that person's unapproachable, or oh, if I approach him, he's probably going to be a jerk or be rude or ignore me or shoo yeah. me away. So it's it really is good to hear those stories of, of exactly what you just described. They're just normal guys that just happen to do music for a living. Well, it's also a nice thing for your new uh, musicians out there and actors and all to, to realize that, too, that... If you get a little bit lucky in life and you get a hit or if you become a, you get a nice movie part, remember where you came from, boys and girls. You came from a wee town. If it wasn't in Ireland, it was somewhere in the United States or Canada. They're all little towns and you all worked at Tim Hortons or McDonald's and you have to work your way up. And when you get there, you've got to be nice to everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's enough of that from Uncle George. <laughs> <laughs> Well, while we're still talking about the new release from the Irish Rovers, you even have a video upcoming for a new song. Back in the intro, I mentioned the band first becoming known in the 1960s. So as a result, I'm sure you have a whole different view on music videos than bands who just started, say, within the last maybe five years when music videos are now standard operating procedure. Well, you're right, Bruce, not only standard, but required. If you're a young rock and roll band or a country artist and you have a fair, let's say you have a song on your hand that everybody thinks is going to be a hit, the first thing you do after it's recorded is, is make a video. You cannot nowadays, very seldom can you get a hit without a video to accompany it. And of course, in our days, um, we didn't have anything like that at all. Our videos were, we'd be, we'd be sitting around the pool at a hotel and the local um, TV people would come over and just do a quick 30-second take of the unicorn playing and us just splashing around saying, and they'll be in concert tonight. Mm -hmm. those, were, those were considered our uh, videos of the day. And mm. uh, yeah, strange, strange uh, world we live in now, different. Are you at liberty to, to give out some details on this video that is upcoming in terms of, you know, what song is it or what will the video look like, those types of things? Absolutely. The song is called The Narwhal the continuing story of the unicorn and we did some filming in Ireland for it just just sort of sitting around in the studio but we were able through uh, National Geographic and some other people we knew to get some wonderful uh, photos of narwhals which are quite um they're quite an amazing animal up uh, way up in the arctic is where they live and they have the unicorn horns on them and 
they're pretty hard to um, to to film and to photograph, but we have some beautiful footage of them, and um, it's all tied into this song, the continuing story. So, um, like I say, kiddies, the unicorns indeed did not drown. So I won't tell you much more than that. But because I said narwhal, you might put two and two together and come up with the right answer. <laughs> and do we have a projected release date for the video? I'm not 100% sure, but uh, they're trying to get out before Christmas. And that's, of course, as you know, it's only a couple of weeks away now. So yeah. whether or not it comes out for Christmas, I'm not 100% sure. But it'll definitely be out before we start our tour, which I believe starts around the 13th or 14th of February in uh, Wisconsin. Great, great. Well, listeners, if you're looking to record audio for a music video or even recording music toward a new EP or CD, you definitely want to be looking at Tascam, a wide variety of devices, solutions for anyone from the hobbyist to the touring and recording professional. Heck, I am quote unquote just a podcaster and you should see how many different Tascam microphones I have here. Two sets of headphones, not to mention the portable recording equipment that I take with me when I record interviews on location. Consider recording at home through the Tascam Track Factory, which is an all-in-one solution that they released earlier this year. That's what I'm recording my conversation with George on right now. Go to Tascam.com to find out more. George, as I teased back in the intro, the Irish Rovers will be hitting the road in support of the new album. Dates in February and March in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and even down here in Florida, plus more to be added. For the diehard yes. fans of the Irish Rovers, can you tip your hand a little bit as to what the set list will look like? Because obviously you have to play songs from the new album, but you've got, as as we said, more than 50 years and more than 15 albums worth of music to pick from and whittle down into, say, two hours. That That can't be easy. It's, uh, it's never easy, Bruce, but there is a bit of a combination. And uh, first of all, um, there are certain songs you have to play. Now, luckily, since we recorded, re-recorded this album, we were already doing four or five of those songs anyway. Of course, the unicorn, you have to do that or we'd be lynched probably. <laughs> the black, but the other thing that people aren't maybe aware of in this day and age, in, in our days, those were called 45s, nothing to do right. with a gun. They were called a 45. <laughs> and what it was, the unicorn was on one side, but on the other side, which also immediately sold five million copies, was the Black Velvet Band which was an old, old uh, Irish traditional song that we rewrote and and put some new music to. So that's every bit as popular as The Unicorn because it was on the other side. So those songs you have to do. You have to do the certain songs. We always do the old chestnuts that people love. Like there's a very old folk song that everybody in the world seems to know because rock and roll bands have done it is Whiskey in the Jar. Musher, Riggum, Durham, Da. There's Whiskey in the Jar. The words mean absolutely nothing but fun song. It's just a fun song to sing. So we try to keep our shows uh, running quickly and we don't get too deep. We don't ever really touch the politics of Ireland unless it's a way back in 1798 when Catholics and Protestants fought together. That's the one thing we do, some of those songs. But the new troubles, we've always uh, stayed away from them. We're a mixed band and no sense isolating half of your audience. So we tend to do the, the happier songs in Ireland about the, the fast race horses and, of course, the pretty Colleen's and maybe even the little fairy leprechauns once in a while. So we tend to do sing songs of maybe an Ireland that's, 
is no longer there that was there 50 or 60 years ago. Unless you go to Donegal, which is still the wildest part of Ireland and much hasn't changed there in, in 50 years. So we keep our show quick and hopefully fun for the audience. And if they go out whistling the drunken sailor, then I think we've done our job. We, we just give them escapism for 90 minutes or two hours, whatever it is. That's all that we intend to do. And that's mm -hmm. all we've ever tried to do. And in doing that, we love what we're doing. We, we're happy too. And we just, we love the songs. We, we love being on stage. And hopefully that banter and all that we do on stage shows through to the audience. And I'm supposing that's why they keep coming back after all these years. And uh, my God, we're never going to get retired if they don't stop coming. <laughs> well, we sit here now approximately two months from when those first shows will start up. I was going to say, when does a band, but obviously you can only speak for the Irish Rovers. When mm -hmm. when do the Irish Rovers sit down and actually start sketching out, this is what our set list is going to be in February? Is it a week before, a month before? You're already doing it now. What, what's the case? It's done. At this point, it's done. And I've sent it off to everybody all over the world so that they can look at it and... If they need tracks sent to them, our engineer here uh, sends them all the working tracks that we've done so that they can remember their parts. So they will be studying it over the next uh, couple of months. We will get together exactly about a week before the tour starts. We'll get together about, oh, the first week in February, and we will pick a hotel where we're going to start, and we rent a room in the hotel. Sometimes we do it at the theater and we'll rehearse for a solid week mm. and then the tour starts and we don't think anything more of it. We just do what we do natural. And if there's a mistake made here and there, well, rather than cover it up, we will turn and look at whoever made the mistake. Point that. <laughs> so it's a good way to say, oh, I don't want to make a mistake tonight because they'll all look at me. It's Public just a fun. Shaming. Bruce, we have fun. Like you sound like you have fun. You're asking the right questions and you've talked to a lot of people. Well, you're enjoying it and we're enjoying what we're doing too and that's that's the secret of life it's the secret of 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 anything of any relationship is you must enjoy your life it's too damn short exactly nicely said and and i am enjoying doing the show but i'm enjoying talking to you i oh, great i also enjoyed talking to johnny diaz who is a well-known christian artist this was back on episode 92 and why i'm bringing this up is because you mentioned some song titles there and when I talked to Johnny Diaz, I said, Johnny, how does it make you feel that, you know, people know you as the, and I said the name of his, his song title, oh, he's the guy that sings that. And, and for me personally, my connection to the Irish Rovers is right away, I think of, wasn't that a party? So if I yes. was to tell someone, I interviewed George Miller from the Irish Rovers, and they'd say, the Irish Rovers, why does that sound familiar? I'd say, they're the ones that did, wasn't that a party? And Johnny Diaz, his answer was, you know, well, Bruce, as long as they know me, I don't care that it's not for my current song. Do you agree with yes. him or, or, or does it kind of get old after a while? And then you go, you know what? Wasn't that a party? That song is so long ago. Please stop bringing that up. Absolutely not. You're, he's a wise man, your friend there. He said exactly the right thing. And I'll, another quick story, if you have the time, uh, friends sure. of ours, Peter, Peter, Paul and Mary, do you remember them? Yes. Their, their big hit, of course, was Puff the Magic Dragon. Well, right. they got sick doing this. And this is about uh, maybe about 20 years ago, right in the middle of all of their success. They said, if you're coming to our shows from now on expecting to hear Puff the Magic Dragon, we are no longer going to be doing it. Uh -oh. And I remember reading this and saying, uh-oh. So about two months later, they're on Johnny Carson or one of the shows. And, of course, what did they sing but Puff the Magic Dragon? <laughs> 
because we knew their manager, half of their audience has stopped coming and they came back out and said, look, we were joking. Of course, we're going to continue uh. doing that song. So, yes, you whatever you're remembered for, you're very, very grateful for it. And as a once again to you, young entertainers, if you do get a hit, don't you ever stop doing it. You have to do it. It's what the people made you. It's what they want to hear. This time of the year when we used to tour, all they wanted to hear was Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Oh, boy. And I used to say, okay, of course we'll do it. Now, we've been asked to do that song at some of the festivals in July, and I say, no. That's one time I say, no, we only do it on our Christmas tour. So um, uh. Grandma will have to uh, be alive for a while. Yeah. So <laughs> you don't – you don't ever forget your hit songs, and those are the ones that made you and took you, in our case, took us from the folk clubs of the day and put us on the stages of the world, from Carnegie Hall to the Sydney Opera House. So how could mm. you ever, ever forget a little song like that? Whether you like it or not, you love it. So then, on a related note, after all these years, do you go on tours like the one that we're talking about that's upcoming in early 2018 and see familiar faces of fans who've been coming back to see the Irish Rovers for years and years and just count your blessings and say to yourself, wow, they have stuck with us all this time? We have so many great fans like that. We have a couple called the Dells in Michigan who have been with us since almost day one. They bring 10 people per show. And they always say, well, please do that joke. And I'll say, but we learned a new joke. We've been telling that joke for 10 years. People are sick of it. He says, yes, but we love it. So, yes, it's the type of people that come and see us. And they, they're in every concert in the world that we do. And it's like coming home. I haven't seen them in a year. And, of course, um, they now probably have figured out what hotel we're going to stay at. So they'll come back. They'll be in the bar waiting for us. And we're delighted to have a drink with them. It's just what we do, and it's what we've always done. You can't shun your fans, especially when they follow you so faithfully. I mean, my goodness, it's it's what makes you. It's your bread and butter, and it's um, plus, you know, pretty easy to be nice to people. It's a lot easier to be nice. Mm. It really is, rather than be rude to people and walk away. I, I know a few entertainers in, in my life who are quite rude, and... Um, I don't know why they're like that, and uh, they get away with it because they're big and they're famous. And but like I said earlier, most of them aren't like that. But you get the odd nasty little person, so that happens. Well, and as I said on a podcast that I was recently interviewed on, I was the interviewee instead of the interviewer. The expression mm -hmm. that I always like to go back to is, "It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice." Isn't that, that sounds like something my Elsie, my mother would have said in Ireland, and it's a great saying, and it's a very wise thing, and I wish everybody would say that. It's good. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment, where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, if you're getting writer's block in the musical, not necessarily lyrical sense, or performer's block, meaning that you feel like you're doing the same thing over and over, change things up style-wise. Your strum pattern, or even piano instead of guitar, tweaks like that. I'm stealing this from 
a guest blog that I asked to have written for NHTE.net last week, Monday, December 4th, is when we published it. If you want to look it up, it's called How to Keep Your Listener Listening. It's helpful advice from a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and instructor, and is also worth the read if maybe you're a little too set in your ways and need to loosen up a little and are otherwise not open-minded about some changes that could breathe new life into what you're doing. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. George, let's backtrack and cover a couple of the things that I had mentioned back in the intro of today's show. First is the Irish Rovers having been honored at the Epic Ireland exhibit. Talk about that. It's a new museum in right in, in the heart of Dublin. And um, so we were home there and I have a house. We have a house in Ireland, my wife and I. So we go there quite a bit. And it's up in the north, mind you, but it's only the new roads now. It's only about an hour and a half of, for me to drive down to Dublin. So we went to this museum, and here is the owner of the museum, and they give us a special tour. And it's a, it's an amazing, it's a grand, grand place. It's a beautiful building, and it's for all the people who left Ireland uh, over the years and what they've done in America or Australia or wherever they they went and what they've done for the world. And it's an amazing amount of people that you'd never realize were Irish. And mm-hmm. here I come across this one whole wall is our old friends, the Clancy Brothers. And they were the first to come to this country and really start the Irish music. And a whole wall with the Clancy's. And beside the Clancy's, a, a bigger wall with all of our CDs going right back to the very first one recorded wow. live Ice House Pasadena, and I've never been so honored in my life. I was mm. blown away. I, I couldn't believe the display, and but it's. I, I recommend uh, anybody going to Ireland, wherever they're coming from, they should go and see this museum because it's not just artists. It's people in science. It's doctors. It's uh. it's mechanical things. It's map makers. It's it goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. And it just, you know, also when St. Brendan actually discovered America long before uh, Columbus. Anyway, that's another story for another day. I won't get into that. <laughs> but yes, it's an amazing place and, and an amazing honor to us. And I, I felt um, I felt really honored and like for once in my life without words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also noted back in the intro about the 50 years triple CD set, the greatest of the greatest hits. Tremendous success for that release two years ago. Yes, uh, people, uh, you know what? We're so damn lucky. Uh, we're blessed with our fans. We talked about it earlier. We have the nicest fans in the world, and they just keep buying this stuff that we put out a new CD, and they just they buy it because they like it. And I, I, I'm just, uh, like I say, sometimes you're without words. When you think of your fans and all of the honors that come in, and uh, you sort of say, well, like, why me? Why us? We're a, we're a good band. There are 
there are thousands of good bands all over the world that never get the breaks that we got. Timing has, has an awful large part of it. In, in our case, we were in the right place at the right time. And when we recorded The Unicorn, it was an afterthought because Decca had hired us to do uh, an album of drinking songs, which we basically did. And they asked us for, if you got one more, just slightly different. And that's when we said, well, we have this little song that we've been doing for about four years in the folk clubs. And everybody seems to stop smoking that funny stuff, whatever's in the air, and actually listen to this song. So the producer said, OK, sing it for me. Let me hear it. And we, we sang a bit. He said, OK, the next day we're going to record that tomorrow morning. And that's when we came in. And there sitting this young, good looking fellow with a guitar in his hand. It was Glenn Campbell. Oh. And he said this. And we had heard of Glenn because he had played with the uh, the Beach Boys and he played yeah. for Burl Ives. And so he was a well-known musician in L.A. in those days. And here he was going to play on our little unicorn. So what I'm saying is it wasn't our song. It was written by Shel Silverstein. So we were lucky to get the song. We were just as lucky, if not luckier, to have Glenn Campbell play the guitar. And then the fact that the unicorn had my guitar as rhythm, Glenn Campbell on lead, my cousin Joe played harmonica, we brought in a bass player, <clears throat> and that was all that was on that, just that and our voices. And here we were, number two behind the Beatles and right in front of Strawberry Alarm Clock. And we had no drums, no piano, no strings. So you mm. must look and say that's that was a pretty lucky time for us. And um, so, yes, there's an awful lot of luck involved. So I think that type of thing keeps you humble, and anybody in music should stay humble. Fascinating. I'm talking with George Miller, the founder, songwriter, lead vocalist, and guitar player for the Irish Rovers. Check out their official website at theirishroversmusic.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, yep, they are on them all. You can also find the band on Reverb Nation, and be sure to look online for where and when you can see them perform live. Again, February and March 2018, they will be in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and even down here in Florida, plus more to be added. So go look for dates and cities slash venues. Their music is streaming on Spotify, but do purchase it from iTunes or other online music retailers. Please hit our social media as well. When you go to nhte.net, you will see icons to click on there for our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube plus even one for our Facebook group where you can interact with other listeners of our weekly show. George, there is a Live on St. Patrick's Day 2 DVD set that is quite far-reaching. Uh, yes, the Irish Rovers in concert, but lots more in terms of features, band interviews, and so on. A, a fun project to make, I take it? It was a great time, and we actually talked about our two fans, the Dales. We actually flew them out to come and see the concert and just to be in it because they followed us for all those years. So mm. um, they were in it, and there were some behind-the-scenes. We had a big wind-up party at the hotel we were staying at, and there's some of that in it. And um, there's dressing room talk and um, a few practical jokes and um, just – it was just us having a good time and then being on stage. And they also had a big outdoor uh, screen in the, in the square outside the town we played, outside the theater. So all of those people were freezing, mind you, but they were 
drinking their um, drinking their funny little drinks and watching it on the big screen, the ones that couldn't get into the theater. It was a grand night, and we had a wonderful time. And it's um, it's just fun to watch. It's um, probably never win an Emmy, <laughs> but who cares? It was just fun to do, and the people enjoy it. And that's the main thing. That was filmed there where you are in, in Western Canada? That's correct, yes. So connect the dots for me. How does a guy from Northern Ireland end up with his second residence being all the way in Western Canada? What am I missing? You're not missing a thing. Uh, when we first uh, immigrated, we immigrated to Toronto, Canada. That's where we started the band. Jimmy Ferguson and myself met in Toronto. He was also from Belfast. Started the band in Toronto. We traveled across Canada and met up with my brother who was out in Western Canada. And he joined the band. Our cousin flew out from Ireland to join the band, Ian. And then we all traveled down to California. And we really made our name playing all of the folk clubs in uh, California, New Mexico, Aspen and Vail, all of the ski resorts. That's where we really got our, our sort of going. So I have always liked that area. Um, so when the unicorn became a hit, I bought a house in Northern California in a place called Santa Rosa, not too far from the wine country, incidentally. And I lived there for two years. And then we, the TV show started getting popular up in um, Vancouver. And so after the tour, I was only able to take a, about five days off. Then I'd have to fly up to Vancouver and continue another two months of doing TV shows. So that's when we decided going to buy a house up in Vancouver. Mm. And that's basically how we got into the West Coast and lived there. So all of the boys ended up buying houses all around Vancouver okay. because – we thought this TV show was just going to last six episodes. We had taken over for someone who wasn't doing so well. And after the six episodes, they said, okay, we want you for another year. And wow. it just kept going over. So 12 years after that, we were still doing it. And wow. so that's how I ended up in the West of okay. Canada. I, yeah. also, I also have a house now in a place called Bush Mills, Northern Ireland, which is right on the coast, the northern coast looking at Scotland. So I go between the two. Well, yeah, and that's why I said second residence, because I know that you do have the, the home in in Northern Ireland, too. But, you know, for so, I, I think I was making more out of it than I needed to. I thought, well, let me think here. They're, you know, they're both Commonwealth countries. Uh, maybe there's some connection. And I don't know. I, 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 I was overthinking. Like I said, I, I remember on episode 132, I talked to a fellow by the name of Lionel Lodge. He's a singer, mm -hmm. songwriter, and guitar player, and, and he kind of had me on the go, too, because he was born in Scotland. He was raised in Canada. He also lived in Spain. When I was talking to him, he was in Austria, but he was about to go to Croatia. It's crazy. So I just, you know, sometimes I try to connect the dots and think, well, maybe there's some sort of logical connection here. Uh, no, it's the Irish are very much like the Scots. It's, my mother used to call it wanderlust. We're like gypsies. We just uh, <laughs> never happy in one place. We have to keep going. <laughs> Well, as someone who always says, I can't even remember what I had for dinner last night, I have some nerve asking you to go back this far, George. But since I mentioned back in the intro about the Irish Rovers first becoming known in the 1960s and different mm -hmm. television shows that I mentioned, what memories do you have of, of all that back then? There is some some wonderful memories. One of the memories is was about 1966, 67, before the unicorn, we were living in a house in Hermosa Beach. In, um, in Northern California, playing all of the clubs down there. And next door to us, it was a 
sort of a semi-detached film was uh, an English comedian. His, his name is Johnson Moore, who's a good friend of ours. And he was living with this young lady called Linda Ronstadt. Ah. So we became really good friends with her. And we said, what a great singer. This You've got to, you're, you'll make it. She would be playing the same place as we were playing. And lo and behold, one day along comes a little band called the Stone Ponies. And uh, it was Linda singing uh, lead. And then she became a huge superstar. So mm. that's one of the memories that will always be there. The other memory is the kindness of people. Here were these four waif lads from Ireland. And we didn't really have much money. We had an old beat-up car that we'd go to gigs in. And in those days, we were lucky to make $50 a week each. Mm. But we were delighted because we were living... <laughs> We were living day to day like that, and we just got lucky to be able to, to rent the other half of John Moore's house. So we had a place to stay right on the beach, and we had um, it was wonderful. So those memories will always be there, and I'll cherish them forever. And, and some of the people we met in those days was amazing, and um, many of them went on to become big stars in their own right. And uh, we still bump into them. Sometimes you'll be at an airport, and you'll say, oh, I haven't seen you in 100 years. And they'll say, I didn't know you were alive. And we say, I didn't know you were alive. So it's great to see you. So those are great times, great, great times. The one show that I didn't mention from back in the 1960s was The Dating Game. Yes, that was a fun one, too. And um, I actually won the first one. And then the second one, Chuck Barris became a really good friend of ours. And he was the producer. And he loved Jimmy. Jimmy was our sort of clown and a little bit overweight and uh, very funny. So he loved him so much that he put Jimmy on The Dating Game asking the three girls and he ended up with this huge, lovely looking model. Jimmy was about five foot seven and she was about six foot two. <laughs> and he thought for sure, since Chuck was our friend, he phoned his mother the night before and says, Ma, I'm on a TV show and they're going to be flying me home to Ireland for the prize. And she says, oh, that's great, son. I can't wait to see you. Well, knowing Chuck Barris and his uh, what he did, there was... Um, uh, an, Af an African couple were on the show first. He sent them to Dublin and he sent Jimmy and this model up the Amazon for oh a week. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he wasn't very happy, but it was very funny. <laughs> the other show that we did three times in those years was called The Virginian. It was an old Western with um, Trampas and all of these great people. We met some wonderful future stars on that show as well. We were bank robbers from Ireland and we were in three episodes and we got put in jail. We had a bar fight with breaking <laughs> glasses and tables. It was like we used to grow up on Roy Rogers and Gene Autry. Here we were living our dream. It was just um, heady, heady times. Amazing, amazing. Before I ask you my final question, which is the one that I ask to every guest every week about the song that we play, we do have just a minute. I want to ask you for my own education and probably for the education of some of those that are listening, what is the difference between Irish music and what I guess you would call Celtic music? There's uh, someone that I know up in western New York, Tom Kiefer, Tom Kiefer and the Celtic Cross yes. or Celtic Cross band. Yes. Uh, they've been around for quite a while. In fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if they and, and the Irish Rovers have played on the same bill at yeah, some point. I, I know, is, yes. is there a difference between uh, Irish music and, and Celtic music? Not not a big difference. The The lilt of the song is basically the same. Celtic music entails, could be a Welsh song. It could be from France. It could be from any, any Gaelic-type country like that as Gaelic music. So, um, English, French, um, Scottish, Welsh... Irish music, of course, is just Irish music, but they're very, very similar in tone. They're 
if you listen to an, an Irish traditional um, song sung in Irish Gaelic, well, it could be almost any Gaelic at all. It could be Scottish Gaelic or Welsh. It could be almost anything. The music is similar. So I'd say the only difference is just that one is from Ireland. The rest are really from any country in that part of the world. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Well, we are going to close today with another song from the Irish Rovers, a tune called First Love in Life. So before we let you go, George, tell the listeners all about this song, please. All right. This is a very, very old traditional song, and it's uh, we rewrote it a few years ago. And it's, um, it's basically not a braggart song, but it's just about a young fellow who basically is a truthful man. He says, I love the women dearly, but my first love in life as a little glass of pachin. <laughs> so that's basically it. There's no other message than that. And by the way, Bruce, if you had a, Z, a no in front of your name, it would be like Irish. Oh, Warmanick. I, I like that. <laughs> Got a nice roll to it. If I, did, I probably didn't say it right, but uh, you're almost Irish, I can tell. Wow, wow. <laughs> that's quite a combination. Well, George, <laughs> this has just been, just been wonderful, and, and thank you so much for doing it. And I hope I do get to meet you in, in March. Uh, listeners, again, the Irish Rovers will be on tour. But uh, for now, George, um, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll look forward to playing your song here in just a minute. Bruce, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yes, some wonderful questions. And if you do get to the show, I will buy you a pint of something afterwards. How's that? <laughs> there we go. Listeners, Great. that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. Many thanks to my guest, George Miller from the Irish Rovers. Do check out their website, theirishroversmusic.com, and then engage with them on social media. So that means like their Facebook page, follow them on Twitter and on Instagram, subscribe to their YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. As George mentioned, they do have a new video coming out shortly. For that matter, tell them you heard them and their music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Look for tour dates and locations on the irishroversmusic.com so you can go see them in concert. Whether their latest album or their back catalog, purchase Irish Rovers Music from iTunes and other online retailers. Again, get with us on our social media as well. It's as simple as heading to nhte.net and then clicking on the corresponding icons for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or even the button for our Facebook group where you can interact with other listeners of this show. Thank you ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from the Irish Rovers. This is the one that George just talked about. It's called First Love in Life. Singing whack full of diddle diddum, full of diddle diddum day. With me whack full of diddle diddum, full of diddle diddum day. I fiddle. 
some tunes and we're off on time. There's one from the Rosses and one from Belial, and another one from Dublin. My heart has beguiled, but I treat all the girls on this island of green. For me, first love in life is a glass of punching. Sing it, whack full of diddle day, dum, full of diddle day, day. With me, whack full of diddle day, dum, full of diddle day, day. I was never inclined For the greatest of misers Must leave them behind With a glass in my hand And a lass on the knee Is all a man needs For his pleasure, you see For I knew a man Who had gold in great store And I knew another one Who had twenty times more But they're both in the graves Never more to be seen so my first love in life is a glass of punching. Sing it whack full of diddle-dye-dum, full of diddle-dye-dum day. With me whack full of diddle-dye-dum, full of diddle-dye-dum day. And now for the future I've made up my mind. And I'll look for the women who treated me kind. And I'll marry them all on the next market day. And I'll what the clergy might say We'll sing and we'll dance And we'll live fancy free Without ever a care What the future might be And I'll set up my still Where the river runs clean For me first love in life Is a glass of punching Sing and work full of diddle-dye-dum Full of diddle-dye-dum day With me work full of diddle-dye-dum Full of diddle-dye-dum day 